Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. We are on the front end of a series on foundations. We're talking about the foundation of the faith, uh, personal foundations. God builds foundations within our own belief system, our own life. And there's corporate foundations that God establishes in a church. Uh, There are some things that are preliminary to other things. And so there's an order in the kingdom. There are certain things that God has to do before he can do other things. And uh, the, the first thing he needs to do is build a foundation in our life. And so we're going through a series that will probably be quite lengthy, uh, but we're talking about foundations. And so uh, the, the passage we've been looking at, we've been looking at a few. There's uh, all through scripture, you see these metaphors, these two twin metaphors, architecture and agriculture, or foundations and root systems. And what these two metaphors share in common is that what is above the ground and seen by others, the life you live that others can enjoy, is dependent upon what people don't see. Those things done in the hidden place, your belief system and your hidden attitudes. Those, uh, so a foundation supports the structure. And the deeper the foundation, the greater the building can be. The deeper the root system, the more that tree can weather the hard times when the, when the soil dries out and the storms of life come and so forth. And so these analogies go throughout Scripture. Uh, we were talking a couple of weeks ago about Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus talked about building our house on the rock. And the other passage we were looking at is where the writer of Hebrews says, let us leave the elementary teachings and not lay again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, faith in God, instructions in baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So he has these six six layers or planks, if you will, of the foundation of the faith. And so we're going to be looking at the, these over the next number of months. Now, I... I just need a disclaimer here. I reserve the right to jump out of this series to hit some things at various times uh, because I just know I will. And then we'll jump back in and we're going to continue on in this, this, this series because this is a very, very important subject. And I believe there's, there's a couple of reasons why it's crucial for us right now. Number one, there are a lot of new people at Heartland. And so we want to make sure that everybody has that proper foundation. Number two, I believe that there are storms on the horizon. Now, I'm a good news preacher, okay? I'm a, I'm a good news preacher. But sometimes uh, it's not all roses and, and uh, you know, perfume. There are, there are there's some hard times on the horizon, and we want to make sure that our root system goes down deep and we have the foundation that we're going to need because it's the shaking that will test the foundation. It's the wind that will test the root system. And so we want to be prepared. So let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Lord, I ask that you would open it up to us. Lord, I ask that your teaching would fall like rain. Lord, that there would be a spirit of wisdom and revelation that would hover over this room. And Lord, that you would awaken our minds. Lord, that you would reveal things to us. Father, I pray that through this one sermon, you would preach many. Lord, that you would speak to us just what we need to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. 
All right, so we're talking about foundations, and in Hebrews 6, it talks about the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and faith in God. Then it's baptisms and the laying on of hands. Then it's the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. These, the, there's uh, three pairs of doctrines that connect to each other. Repentance and faith uh, are are crucial that we keep those two things together. Repentance without faith doesn't do anything for you. And faith without repentance leaves you shallow and in danger of falling away. And so repentance is the excavation for what's going to be built in in the foundation of faith. And so we have to understand that we've got to forsake the past so that we can build for the future. We've got to build in faith in God. But if we have faith without repentance, we've never been unhinged from self. So we add Jesus to our life as an appendage. He's a bolt-on accessory. So we've got to repent, and the depth of your repentance will actually determine the depth of your faith. The depth of your repentance will determine how deep your foundation goes. And so shallow repentance uh, results in shallow faith. And those are the people that often shake or fall away in the times of storm. And God loves us enough that there are times he will send bad weather, so to speak, to show us the foundation in our life. So we'll go deeper. In the parable of the soil, Jesus talked about the stony ground hearer. And the stony ground hearer, the seed fell on the soil and it looked real good on the surface. And it, it sprung up quickly and it looked like, wow, this guy got saved on Tuesday. He's Billy Graham by Friday and he's backslidden by Sunday. Because there's unyielding places underneath the surface that you can't see. It looks like good soil, but then it says when the sun comes out and bakes the topsoil, it dries it up so the plants that don't have stony ground, they dig their root systems deep so they can go after more water so they can be and so it's it's actually dry, the the heat the dryness that sends them deeper and causes them to have deep roots but if they don't have that then uh, if if there's stones there they have to go out looking and eventually all the grounds baked and either a strong wind will blow it over or they'll just die for lack of water I, I said it a couple weeks ago. In my, my housing division, you got to have an irrigation system. The problem with this is that our root systems are right along the surface of our yard. And they're susceptible. My neighbor had this beautiful blue spruce that was right on the border. So I got like a free tree. And uh, a big storm came a while back and tipped that peppy over and he hauled it off. And I still grieve that tree. It was beautiful. But the root system didn't go down deep. And we don't want that to happen. And so we want to make sure our roots go deep. So where we start is with repentance. Now, I, I, I was talking in the first service. I was telling them that God is, this is, this is a no-brainer. God is brilliant. He really is. He is so smart. He is brilliant, and he is merciful. And so this brilliant, merciful God wired you in such a way that your heart, your mind, will automatically respond with the two requirements of salvation when you see God accurately. We need to repent and believe. Repent and believe. And when we see an accurate presentation 
of who God really is. When we see him for who he is, then what happens is that there is repentance that comes up in our heart. When we see the justice of God, when we see that God is a God of integrity and he lays down moral laws and he means it. It's not the 10 suggestions, it's the 10 commandments. And he commands it to us because he's trying to protect us. And we realize that there's a law of the harvest that says what a man sows he will reap. And that law of the harvest is enforced by the Lord of the harvest. That God is the judge of all the earth. Our our picture of uh, Lady Justice, blindfold with scales. And she's always balancing the scales regardless of your socioeconomic, your ethnic standing, it's blind. It, everybody is, is judged by the same scales. Well, God is the one that is balancing the scales. We need to understand, the justice of God is that, that attribute of his character that is constantly balancing the scales of human experience. What a man sows, he will reap. You sow to the flesh, from the flesh you'll reap destruction. God is constantly balancing the scales. Some people call it karma. It's not. It's called Jehovah. Okay? God is looking to and fro throughout the earth to reward those who do right and to discipline, provide negative consequences to those who do wrong so that hopefully those wrong consequences will turn them and they'll say, huh, not worth it. I think I'll start behaving myself. So that is the justice of God. And when we see the justice of God for what it is, when we, when we understand that, what that does is it dawns upon us, whoa, there, there's a, years ago, I was in St. Louis, Missouri. I was living right outside of St. Louis, and I heard about this inner city church that was in revival. So I went to check it out. I'm a revival hound from way back. So this was back in the 80s, mid-80s. I drove into St. Louis with somebody, I don't remember who it was, and we went to this little inner city church. And it was not totally packed with people, but definitely packed with the presence of God. And it was kind of a, it was interesting because it was a country kind of feel to it, but it was in the inner city. And there was a little lady pounding on an upright piano, Ding, 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 ding. I mean, the music wasn't real quality, but the message was powerful. And this is what she was singing. Watching you, watching you. There's an all-seeing eye watching you. She just kept singing that over and over again. And with the presence of God hanging in that room, that's a powerful message. When you believe that there's an all-seeing eye continually watching you, that the omniscient God who knows all things knows everything about you. He knows the thoughts and intents of your heart better than you do. And when that dawns upon you, there is a healthy fear that awakens that this just God that can't excuse bad behavior, that he will provide discipline. And the fact is that, even, that, the, that anti-ups when you get saved because scripture says God disciplines those he loves And he provides consequences to all who he considers a son. And if you don't suffer discipline, you are, let's use the NIV, because the King James Version is a pretty blunt word. The NIV says you are an illegitimate child. And when we have an awareness of that, when we begin to connect the dots, see, this is why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
Because wisdom is able to connect the dots between your actions and the consequences. And a fool has no clue that those two things are connected. A fool jumps out of third-story windows and then, then complains about his sore back, thinking, I don't know why God cursed me with a sore back. Well, quit jumping out windows. See, they can't connect the dots. They don't understand between their, their behavior and their consequences. But the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and we begin to realize, when I do this, this is the result. And that's what we, we begin to live for the long term. When you look at wisdom and foolishness in Scripture from the book of Proverbs, here are two of the defining characteristics. Wisdom lives for the long term. It always makes decisions based on the long-term consequences. But a fool says, let's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. I don't know if I'm going to be here tomorrow, so I'm going to live it up today. They skip work, go get hammered, and the next morning they wake up without a job. That's not very wise. So wisdom is always looking at the long term. Well, that comes from understanding that there is a God in heaven that sees everything and he is enforcing his moral code because he is just. If as a father, I lay down rules in my home and my kids just kind of laugh it off and, and, and you know, I'm dad senile, he doesn't un- he's, he's not serious and they just kind of skirt around, I'm not being loving if I don't provide consequences to that behavior, am I? God is a loving father, and he disciplines those he loves. And so when we walk in the fear of the Lord, we're walking in an awareness that there is an all-seeing eye watching us, and that God is serious about what he says. And he will provide consequences to turn you. Because God loves you enough that he will provide consequences in the temporary, hopefully to enable you to avoid the long-term consequences called hell. He's trying to turn us. And so we need to have an awareness of this. There are two forms of wisdom, or the fear of the Lord in Scripture. There's two forms of it. There's two ways it comes to us. The first one is the fear of the Lord as a concept, as as an idea. Proverbs 1 and 2. Proverbs 1 says... the, the, the writer is rebuking the people because they did not choose the fear of the Lord. So the fear of the Lord is, first of all, something you can choose. People say, well, I, I don't fear God. I, I can't help it. I don't fear him. Yes, you can. You need, because chapter 2 says, it talks about understanding the fear of the Lord. So the fear of the Lord is a concept we need to pursue. It's something we need to understand. And when we understand it, we can choose to step in the fear of the Lord. We can decide, I am going to live in light of this. And as you do, what happens is more light comes into your life. But if you harden your heart, you actually, it's, the, you can put it this way, your moral iris begins to close. It's called the darkening of the understanding. That when you reject the truth that you have, you actually lose the ability to gain more truth. When you reject the truth, it's in Ephesians chapter 4 and it is a terribly frightening passage. It's also the same principle, the same pattern is applied to a to a, a, a larger culture in Romans chapter 1. That although they knew God, they refused to worship him as God and they rejected the truth and they became darkened in their understanding. And so there needs to be an alarm that wakes up within us. God, I want to walk in your fear because I know that you are a being of integrity. 
You can't say something without holding the line on what you promised. And so therefore, I know you are serious about what you're saying. And Lord, where I violate your moral law, I'm asking you, God, line me up with your will. This is why the fear of the Lord is also the hatred of evil. Because when we're walking in the fear of the Lord, we look and we, we realize, whoa, when I do this, there are consequences. And I begin to realize this is never worth it. A.W. Tozer said that in order to sin, you have to think wrongly for a moment. You have to believe a lie. You cannot sin and see the truth. You have to convince yourself that the world is other than it is. Because if we really saw sin for what it was, we would never violate moral law. We would never justify behavior or even attitudes because we would realize this is never worth it. We would realize what Galatians chapter 5. This is New Testament, by the way. Listen to this. Do not be deceived. Now remember, Paul is speaking to believers. Believers, those of you who sit under the word of God week after week, be careful. Do not deceive yourself. God will not be mocked. What a man sows, he will reap. If he sows to the flesh, from the flesh he will reap destruction. And he's speaking to believers. But if he sows to the Spirit, from the Spirit he'll reap eternal life. And if you really believe that, you will avoid sowing to the flesh and you will pursue sowing to the Spirit. And you will find that life begins to work. But if we don't believe that, if we're darkened in our understanding and we reject that and, and that uncomfortable truth that there's an all-seeing eye that watches us and we, that uncomfortable truth that, man, God, God disciplines those he loves. That's uncomfortable. I just want to indulge my flesh for a moment. We convince ourselves that's not true and then we suffer the consequences. So the fear of the Lord is a concept to be studied and understood. And furthermore, it's something we choose. We say, God, I'm going to choose to fear you. And we need to understand that the fear of God is not at odds with the love of God. In fact, you can't really comprehend the depth of God's love if you don't understand the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is a response to a revelation of one whole side of God's nature the justice of God as revealed in the old covenant. It's not a coincidence that God revealed himself in two covenants. There's an old covenant and a new covenant. The old covenant was the justice of God. Now, the fact is that the new is in the old concealed and the old is in the new revealed. It's not like they're at odds with each other, but there's an emphasis in one. Uh, there, one emphasizes one more than the other. And only as you see the God of the Old Testament and you see him for who he is, and then you read in the New Testament, now come boldly before the throne of grace in your time of need to get the help that you need. All of a sudden, that invitation carries a lot more weight when you see who he is as revealed in the Old Testament. But if all we do is we go out and buy ourselves a New Testament, enjoy the Old, and people say, oh, the Old Testament, that's not for today. It's not, that's irrelevant. Whoa, 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 whoa. This book 
is Jesus in print. You want to know Jesus? Get familiar with this book. You, mean, you want a word from God? You don't need to go see a prophet. I'm all about, I, I love the prophetic, I'm for that, but this is where you will find the word of the Lord. And if God wants to bring prophetic people into your life, hallelujah. But you better know this so you can judge that. This is the word of the Lord. And this is the Son of God himself in print. You want to know his character? You want to know the, the, the intricacies of how his heart thinks and feels? Get in this book and you can encounter him in this word. He is the living word, but we have his written word. And he graciously left it with us. And he left it with us in two testaments. It's not that the New Testament, it doesn't say that Jesus is the New Testament. It says Jesus is the word. Old and new. And Jesus is a man of utmost integrity. And he will hold the line on his word. And when we get out of line, the justice of God demands that there are consequences. And his love demands that there are consequences because those consequences are to push us in the right direction. And so we've got to have this foundation of the fear of the Lord. And if we don't have it, what happens is, is we get this skewed view of God as a senile grandfather. He loves us. He lets us, you know, grandma, she says no, no nothing before dinner, but grandpa said, no, the rule around here is get me one when you get your own. You know, we're, we're going to skirt around grandma's rules, and he's kind of, you can do things that you're not supposed to do, and he can't really see you. He's just this white-haired old guy on the on the the rocking chair. That is not the God of heaven. He has piercing sight that can see right through us and know the motives, the thoughts and intents of our heart, even when we don't. And I need him to do that. I need, search me, oh God. See if there be some wicked way in me. Lord, because I don't want to be living out consequences that I don't understand because there's things that are wrong in my heart and I don't even know where it's coming from. Lord, I'm asking, search me. And God searches us through his word. His word is a mirror. We get in it and all of a sudden we see ourselves, good and bad. And God corrects us. And I'm telling you, if, if God doesn't ever correct you, I implore you as your pastor, get before him and find out what's going on because God disciplines those he loves and there's not a man or woman alive but one that is perfect. We all have areas where we need to grow in our character and holiness, in our revelation and if God's never rebuking you, I would propose you're not really reading his word. You're going through the motions and we want to grow in grace. The, it, the, the kisses of God when we get in his word is when he's correcting us. And there's always room for growth. And if we're, not, if we're never hearing that, something's wrong. And it's not on God's end. And so we need to ask him, Lord, speak to me. Lord, I want to choose the fear of the Lord. I want to look through the lens of a just and holy God that knows everything and meets out consequences accordingly. And I want to walk in your blessing. I want to, I want to walk in 
the favor of God and your pleasure. I don't want to walk in such a way that, God, you have to withdraw from me. In the, in the Old Testament where Moses, God comes to him and says, I'm not going with you guys. And Moses said, God, please go. And he said, if I go with you, I'll have to kill some of your people. They're so rebellious. So here it is. The withdrawing of God's presence was both an act of discipline and mercy. And if God's presence isn't with us, we need to be saying, God, what's up? Now, I know there's times where God is just trying to cause us to go deeper and teach us a lesson to trust him when that we don't feel him and all that stuff, but that's not to be the norm. We are to be a people of his presence. That's the New Testament blood-bought inheritance, that we're to be the people of his presence. And if his presence isn't with us, there needs to be something that awakens within us and say, God, what's going on? Is there a reason that you can't draw near? Because we want to be the people that God can entrust with his presence. Because there's nothing in us that he has to withdraw over. And so, the fear of the Lord is something we need to understand. And we need to study it and choose it. But there's another form of the fear of the Lord that shows up in Scripture, and it's Isaiah chapter 11. It talks about it, uh, Revelation 4, 5, and 5, 6, I believe. Two verses, it talks about the seven spirits of God. That's a weird phrase, huh? Seven spirits of God? Some of us are trying to figure out the Trinity, and now he adds four more dimensions. Well, what is that? Well, in, in uh, Isaiah chapter 11, he lays out seven things. The Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of Counsel, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, and there's two others. Uh, so you see in that passage, he breaks them down. But one of, and, and we don't have time to lay the foundation for this, but when it talks about the seven spirits of God, it's not talking about seven spirits in addition to the Holy Spirit. It's talking about seven manifestations of the spirit of God. We still use it that way. We say, uh, we'll talk about, the spirit in which someone operates. What we're talking about is what's emanating off of them. It's a manifestation on them. So there's the, the seven manifestations of the spirit of God, one of which is the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And it's different than the fear of the Lord as a concept. The fear of the Lord as a concept is something we study, we enlighten our mind, and we choose to embrace. And we, we say, God, help me to walk conscious of this belief system and let me live through this lens. This is something that we can initiate and, and, and understand. This is involuntary. It enters the room and you're in it. It is the presence of God coming in such a way that the fear of the Lord grips the hearts of men. And I don't know if you've ever been in a service or in a room in, a, in an environment where the fear of the Lord lands but it is a scary thing. It's a very healthy thing. I'll never forget, it would have been about, it would have been 30, let's see, 83, was that 40? 40 years ago, my goodness. 40 years ago this month, I was in a prayer meeting with a bunch of other guys just coming off of drugs. We were in Teen Challenge. 
And we were in this, sitting on this ratty carpet, just crying out to God. And all of a sudden, it was like the presence of God came in like a freight train and filled the air. And I remember sticking my face in that ratty carpet and not lifting it, lest I see him and die. His presence filled the room. And it wasn't an imaginary thing. It was, the, the, the air was electric with the fear of the Lord. And it changed my life. I needed that experience. Here's the thing. There are always going to be facets of God's nature that you and I don't understand. Because he is infinite and we are finite. And we will spend eternity. Here's what I think a lot of eternity is going to be. We'll worship God for a million years on some attribute that we don't even have a name for right now. God's going to go, Look at this. Oh, we'll fall down for a million years. It was amazing. We'll write books on it, read them, study them, talk about it. Oh. And then after, right, once we feel like we've exhausted that, God says, oh, I forgot to tell you about this. Oh, you know, for a million years, we've got to get language for this, talk about it. And it, It's an amazing thing. There's always going to be more to learn about God. And there are always going to be facets of his nature that strike fear in the heart of a creature. And rightly so. Not because we have to be afraid of him in the sense that we run from him. Like, i got to be protected from him. In fact, A.W. Tozer in his book, Knowledge of the Holy, his chapter on holiness, this is what he said. He said, the only place to hide from God is in God. We run to him. He is our shelter. We shelter ourselves in him. We hide from him in him. The fear of the Lord does never never makes you run from God unless you're trying to hold to your sin. The fear of the Lord will always draw you to him. It's, it's a strange dynamic that I can't explain other than to say I was terrified of him, but I wanted to get closer with every breath. It was like, Lord, I don't want to see you. I might die, but can I just get a little closer? There was this, it's like when Moses, when God says to him, Moses, Moses, he's calling him, but he says, don't take another step for the ground you are on is holy. It's this, almost this, almost a tension between, Lord, I want to get closer, but I'm afraid to. And that is a healthy dynamic for a, 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 a created being. The fear of the Lord will always cause us to run to him. Years ago in Bible school, I remember this guy, he was preaching and he was talking about when he'd be a bad boy and his mama would spank him. Now, when I told this is in the early service, some people, their eyes got real big like, oh, that's not politically correct. Well, I'm old, okay? He said when his mama was going to spank him, he said he learned real quick, you don't run because she'd grab you by the arm. She had longer legs. She could catch him and she could get a real good wound up. Whap, hit him on the hiney. And God gave you extra cushion back there for this. And whoom, he'd get lifted off the ground. <laughs> she could get another one. He said what he learned real quick as a little boy is when you're going to get a spank and when you're in trouble with your mom, you run to her and you grab her by the legs and stick your head between her knees because she can't get a round up. The closer you are, the harder it is to spank you. And that is good theology. That is good preaching. When you're under the discipline of the Lord, you know what you need to do? Run for his kneecaps. Embrace him. Lord, just spank me all you want, but you're not getting rid of me. I'm holding on. The fear of the Lord will always cause us to go to him. And if what you're feeling causes you to run away... It's either one of two things. It isn't God 
or there's something you're trying to hold on to that you need to let go of. And we can throw ourselves on him and say, God, Lord, I'm asking you, uproot anything that's standing between me and thee. Lord, I want you. But I'm telling you, the foundation of theology, good theology, you're never going to know God unless you have this lens. This is the beginning of wisdom. The foundation of repentance is the fear of the Lord. The reason we repent and forsake the things we were once madly in love with is because we see them for what they are in his burning holiness and we realize, oh my goodness, I have been deceived. That is never worth it. I don't care how that felt. I don't care how much I enjoyed it. It's never worth it. And we flee from those things. If we don't have that, then we start our Christian life. We, we start it off limping. We, we don't have, we're not going to have the root system. We're not going to have the foundation. So I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. I want to pray for you. Listen, if there are things in your life, what we need to do is we need to, in the words of Barney Fife, nip it in the bud. <laughs> if you want to deal with bad behavior, get it when it's an attitude before it's an action. Get it when it's an attitude before the others in your environment have to deal with it. Begin to allow the Lord to deal with your heart and say, God, shine your light on me. Lord, if there's pride, if there's envy, if there's jealousy, these ugly attitudes that we justify, Lord, shine your light and make me forsake them. Let me see them for what they are in the, the, the bright light of your glory. That's where freedom is found. And if there's secret sin in your heart, I want to encourage you. Ask the Lord, God, teach me the fear of the Lord. Lord, teach me to see you accurately so I will flee from those things. Father, I ask you, Lord, that you would increase our understanding of your nature and your character. Lord, help us to realize there's, there's no contradiction in that union between the fear and the love of God. And Lord, I ask that you would go deeper in our hearts. Purify us. Purify us, Lord. This thought came to mind the other day to me that the coming storm, which is God himself, the storm front, the edge of the storm that arrives first, must be the fear of the Lord which purifies the human heart. Lord, we are asking God for visitation. And Lord, let it begin with a purification of our hearts. And Lord, we're asking God that you would send the spirit of the fear of the Lord to the American church and to this church. God, we're asking that you would come in all your glory to Heartland, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.